This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Garden Show is brought to you by The Urban Nature Store. Everything for folks who love wild birds. Six GTA locations including Woodbridge, Mississauga, and Oshawa. Visit urbannaturestore.ca. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, your ever-faithful sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Also known that? as the under-gardener. Under-under-gardener. Under-under-under-gardener. Yes. yes, you are right. Charlie, what a gorgeous day. Another gorgeous day. Summer Absolutely. truly has arrived. What well, a lovely week it's been. Oh, Sunny, blue skies. This is summertime. Yes, the vegetables are it. just perking along. Now, before we get started, yes. could, could I give a little bit of a shout-out? What would be new about that? <laughs> oh. oh. Well, a I'm, little bit of a shout-out. All right, I'll give you like 10 seconds. Oh, dear, I can't cover it in this. 10 <laughs> I knew seconds. It, I knew oh, it. Geez. Okay, so this past week, mm. I, I get in touch with a buddy of mine, David Warwick, who's mm-hmm. a wonderful composer, pianist, etc. Oh, and he says, 10 hey, seconds. What? <laughs> he says, hey, guess what? I said, what? He says, uh, Moses Neimer called me up the other day and says, how's your car? And David said, uh, uh, what do you mean? He said, well, that Cadillac you've got. So he's got a 61 mm-hmm. Cadillac convertible in pristine condition. And Moses says, how would you like to lead the parade up in Hollywood for the Elvis Festival? So I just talked to Neil Headley, who mm-hmm. at this moment in time mm-hmm. is in the car with David behind the wheel. And also in the car is Moses Neimer ah. and Elvis, My. for gosh sakes. Back from so, the dead. Well, and we just waved goodbye to the bus uh, heading yep, out from the uh, parking lot here. Heading up to the here. Collingwood Festival. Yeah, and oh, they're going to have a grand time. So hello, the ladies and gentlemen on the bus. Nice to have met you earlier this morning. And also the uh, the lovely car. So well, good on David to uh, be part of that. And yeah. of course, this has got absolutely nothing to do with gardening. <laughs> or does it? Is there a gardening well, twist in uh, this somewhere? Uh, uh, well, I'll branch out into something. I'm sure. Oh, branch, <laughs> that counts. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> if you're interested in gardening, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this show, you'll want to know that uh, Garden Walk Buffalo is on right, well, not right now, in an hour at 10 a.m. Garden Walk Buffalo starts. It's on all day today and all day tomorrow from 10 till 4. Of course, it's a completely free, self-guided garden tours throughout Throughout the city of Buffalo, 416 gardens are on the tour. It's the largest garden tour in all of America, probably all of North America. Uh, there is a comprehensive map available. You will. It's only available at three locations during the tours, so today and tomorrow. Of course, for more information, what you want to do is go to 
gardenwalkbuffalo, that's all one word, dot com, and you can get more information and get the get the map because, of course, 416 gardens are all over the place. Yeah, I, I remember <clears throat> you uh, just extolling the virtues of this uh, garden tour yeah, uh, last week and, in fact, last year when, when mm-hmm, it happened, too, so it sounds big. like a dandy. Yeah, it's, very, it's, a, it's a quite a big deal. And, um, of course, it's summer, so there's not a lot going on with the horticultural societies. Right. Um, nobody's been harassing me to uh, <laughs> mention their events. <laughs> <laughs> but I will – here's an event that everybody should have in mind. It is July 25th. Yeah. So we're getting to the end of July. Now, this is a pretty magical time in our gardens because certain things stop – we stop doing certain things at the end of July. One is we stop any kind of fertilizing of our permanent plantings. Right. So that means our roses and trees and shrubs and perennial plants, they do not get fertilized at all after this week until next spring. Mm -hmm. Of course, we will fertilize our lawns as we get into the fall, and we continue to fertilize our annual annual flowers, our our vegetables, our herbs. And being the local expert on nematodes, uh, (laughs) we're approaching the season when the grubs are going to be, you know, in there, and so you... Got to spray the lawn with the nematodes. That's right. And so, and what time of year do we do that spraying uh, of the lawn? Well, roughly August. Depending on on yeah. the pupation of the grub, and yeah, and then you have the, to have a consultation with the head, you know, grub, <laughs> laying of the eggs, <laughs> and then the yeah. uh, eggs have to hatch, and yeah. then you got to be. Standing right by. Yeah. But remember, too, with nematodes, it, it, and it's, it does work very well, but you've got to follow all the directions. Okay. You don't go out there on a bone-dry lawn and start watering in nematodes because they can't survive in a bone-dry lawn. So it's a lot of watering in advance or applying the nematodes after a good rain. Okay. We have callers online just so anxious to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I am, too, of course. Of course. But... <laughs> But uh, <laughs> Trish, Angela, and Susan hanging by to have a word with Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Charlie, uh, the sous chef of the garden here, doing in honor of the Elvis Festival in Collingwood, I'm doing the entire show with my lip curled. Oh, hey, toward London, there's a little town there, uh, Union. Yes. Susan's calling in, and nice. she's on the line right now. Hello, Susan. Hi, Frank. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Morning. How are you? Good. I've called you in the wintertime regarding my, my red hibiscus that had spider mite. Mm-hmm. And I did what you said in, in it. I cut it back in March and started fertilizing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, beautiful green, healthy leaves. No evidence of of anything. Mites good, yeah. It's, and I, on the deck in the full sun. Mm-hmm. It's nine years old, and this is the first year it has not bloomed. There's not one bud on it. Hmm. I know it's similar to the lady yeah. before me. Um, it has tall shoots instead of. You know, being bushy, yeah. bushier around the bottom. It's in a big pod, right. um, and it's usually bushy. But there's the, the top of it is looks like it's straighting. It's going straight up toward the sun, but it's in full sun. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if I should cut those tall, like maybe there's five or six or seven yeah. really, really tall shoots. They all have lots of leaves on them, right. but they're not branching out. They're going straight up. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's a good question, and I think your instincts are absolutely correct. Okay. Remember, you are the master of your plants. <laughs> so <laughs> when... <clears throat> 
When a plant is growing in a direction that either isn't appropriate or is getting too big or is just unsightly, you get your sharp little pruners out and you can always cut down. Hibiscus love to be pruned they, and shaping them is always a good idea because, as you know, if you leave them alone, they'll shoot branches all over the place and right. and not be a very attractive plant at the end of the day. Okay. If you see no evidence of buds, it's no. a perfect time to do that pruning. And, um, and remember where you cut with a hibiscus, you're going to cut just above a leaf, yeah. but you're going to cut just above a leaf that is growing towards the outside of the plant, Okay, if that makes sense. Because yeah. the next growth will grow out, as opposed to growing to the inside of the plant where it all gets all tangled up and dense and, and not very happy. Okay. So prune right. it to, to be a wider plant and, like you said, a more compact and better looking plant. Right. And the other thing I find with hibiscus, if we love them too much and we water them and we fertilize them and we care for them really, really well, sometimes they are just very green happy plants. Uh So so to get them to flower, one of the best things you can do is you can take them to the dry side, let them dry out a little more between waterings. And you you may find that you will see some buds formed as a result of that. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And if you're a first-time caller, by all means, here are the numbers, if you want to be, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Why did I mention that first-time caller thing? Because June in Mississauga, first-time caller, welcome to the line. Hello. How are you today? Great. Welcome Uh, to the show. Well, um, I am a little bit confused about a hibiscus-planted tree. Mm -hmm. I got a hibiscus plant and a hibiscus-planted tree, potted tree, for Mother's Day. Now the weather turned a little cold. I brought them in. Mm -hmm. And I've had hibiscus, like, for ages. Mm -hmm. But this particular one... The leaves went a little yellow, which usually means too much water, um, not enough sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on the north side um, of the townhouse on the balcony. I've now moved it to the south side on okay. the patio. Better, yeah. But the leaves continue to turn yellow, uh, like massively. Uh-huh. The flowers are still blooming. There are some new green leaves coming so the plant isn't completely dead Mm But I'm thoroughly confused about too much water, not enough water, too much light, not enough light. Well, actually, I'm suspecting, no, your south side is perfect. You've got the right amount of light. Um, obviously, it's a happy plant in the sense that it's got new you know, new growth. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got blooms and it's got new buds showing up. But when when leaves turn yellow, we suspect a couple things. Your point is a good one. Too much water often leads to yellow leaves. Um so if that's a possibility, if the plant has been sitting in a lot of water, you know, you've got a saucer below and it's sort of constantly sitting in water, then yes, leaves will turn yellow. The other thing is that um, when we get bring a new plant into our homes, the new plant that's come in was raised somewhere else under light levels that we don't have a clue what they were. Quite often the tropical plants have come from Florida and uh, they're grown there and they're grown in shade situations. They're brought up to Ontario. Depending on the retailer, 
Sometimes those tropicals from Florida <clears throat> will have about a month here in Ontario just to organize their their um, physiology so that they'll handle Ontario better. But some retailers, it's off the truck from Florida into the store, into your home. And of course, the plant is saying, wait, 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 I was in Florida like a week ago, then I was on a dark truck for five days, and now I'm somewhere else. Like, what's going on? And they will often drop their leaves but grow new ones to be appropriate for your conditions. Yeah, I I have never had one that has dropped this many Mm. leaves, you know, all of a sudden. And, I mean, it was outdoors, and it Mm. it, uh, came in when it turned really cold. Yeah, back in May, right. You know. Uh, and then it was back outside again. And, I mean, I've had them that I've had them outside, had them in the house all mm-hmm. winter. Oh, put yeah. them back outside, mm-hmm. and they've been fine. Yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah. What, brand new. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. So once once you have it in your home and it's organized to your light levels, plants will often do quite well. And you sound like you certainly know what you're doing. The other thing would be get out a magnifying glass and look really, really closely at the backs of the leaves to see if you see any webbing. Spider mites are pretty much invisible to the naked eye, but you will often see evidence of their little tiny webs. Okay. And, and certainly spider mite can cause leaves to turn very yellow and drop in large quantities. Uh, oh. So that would be the other thing. Is just look, do a real close inspection on the plant for right. any unusual things like that. Yeah, because it, it was, like you say, in a saucer when I had it on the balcony. But what I did is when I put it on the patio, mm-hmm. I just left the original pot mm-hmm. on the ground mm-hmm. that it came in mm-hmm. from the nursery yeah, and uh, without sitting in water. Mm-hmm. But, but that could possibly be because my other plant is doing pretty good, yeah. small Six-inch pot. Yeah, this was a ten-inch yeah. big pot. So Good. I'll check for the, uh, the yeah. situation. Other than that, I guess I'll just leave it and see if the green ones come along. Yeah, and they will. But if there is any kind of an insect infestation, you're going to want to have that well under control before that plant comes in indoors uh, in the next month or so. And what, would that just be the insecticidal soap? Well, if it's spider mite. Uh, well, that's what it depends what the insect is. Certainly insecticidal soap can work very effectively on contact on insects, but right. read the instructions very thoroughly mm-hmm. and never, ever, ever spray soap at in the sun. So you have to move the plant into the shade to do the spraying right. and preferably do it either early in the day or late in the day because okay. soap is, is very hard on the plants. Okay, so thank it's you on very and much. then off, all right? And I enjoy the show very, very much. Thank well, you thank very you. much. Thank you. Have a good day. You all right. Too. And thank Bye. you for being the first, first-time first caller on yeah, the show today. exactly, yes. with your garden wings. Exactly. And now, Rick in Brampton has a word for you, I do believe, or a question. Hi, Rick. <laughs> Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I'm a first-time caller. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Welcome. There you get garden listen, wings, too. I listen to you every Saturday, but I'm usually driving, so I never get a chance to call. Okay. So this is my Saturday off, so nice. I finally got in. But anyway, what I'm calling about is I have a lavender top prairie uh, plant, or it's a bush. I have it planted in the front of my house. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't really know how to look after it because I had a rose shrub before and I had that there and it uh, died through the winter so I had mm. to dig it up and I bought this. Nice. And I I know it had purple flowers on the top of it mm-hmm. and now they are off. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how much I'm supposed to uh, cut it back. Okay. So <clears throat> what direction does the front of your house face? Uh, faces west. West. So you've got lots of late afternoon sun. 
Yes. When we plant lavender, a couple things are really important. Number one, lots of sun, so that's good. You've provided that. The soil should be reasonably fertile, well-drained. Right sort of during the month of August, what you should do is you need to shear that plant back by about a third. Okay. At the most. So you're going to see where the new growth is. The new growth is that is going to be on the tops. It's going to be the softest growth. The older growth is a little bit woody. Uh, so you look at that new growth and you're going to give a little shearing of that new growth down by about a third. Okay. And then in the fall, you're going to make sure that if we don't have a lot of rain, that the soil is nice and moist before winter comes. And I always like to mulch around lavender plants late in the fall, whether it's just with some leaves or a little extra soil, just to try and um, provide a little bit of insulation because lavenders tend to be a little on the wimpy side. And if we have a super cold winter, they sometimes die. Okay. Do you have to uh, cover it up in the wintertime? I'd, I wouldn't cover it up. I mean, certainly piling some leaves around is a good idea. Uh, but in terms of building some kind of a structure, you shouldn't have to do that. Okay. Because right now, like it has like a, a bulb on the top, and then there's a little purple flower that comes out of the top. Well, my wife has cut like just underneath and cut those bulbs off mm-hmm. because uh, the purple flowers were were gone already. Right. So do you, is that what we're supposed to do? Um, yeah, when, when the flowers are done, we usually do remove them. Do you know what variety of lavender you've got? It is uh, an Anduke Spanish lavender. Okay, you know what? That, I'm pretty sure, I'm just looking this up very quickly, I am pretty sure that that form of lavender is not a perennial. Okay. So, yeah, enjoy it, uh, but it will not survive the winter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm 99% sure. This, did you get it at Loblaws? Uh, no, no, I bought it at a, um, at a flower place. Okay. Yeah, because I know Loblaws had that one for sure. It's a beautiful plant. Here, I'm just going to show Frank some images because it's, it's Ooh, really pretty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and it is like a bulb with the little petals sticking out the yes, top. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is not a hardy plant. So unless you could potentially bring it indoors and treat it as a houseplant for the winter, and if you can keep it alive all winter, get it back outside next summer. But it is, uh, it's like a zone 10 or, or 9 plant. So unless you live in Florida, that's not something that will survive our winter outside. Yeah, it's a zone 6, it says. Oh, it says zone 6. Well, okay, yeah. and you're in Brampton facing west. So it might, it might, but do definitely mulch, whether it's uh, soil. You know how you would pile soil around your roses yeah. uh, in in the late in the fall when they've gone fairly dormant. Yeah. Same thing. Do the, I have treat that, your lavender. Um, I have that like that red kind of wood or something and little pieces all around it, mm-hmm. uh, and it, so it holds the moisture. Right? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. That is a mulch we use now during the growing season to help, as you say, hold moisture, keep the weeds down, um, looks pretty. But but wait until sort of November, okay. and then you're gonna. Ha- you're going to pile about four inches more of something, something okay. that's, that will uh, provide some air pockets around the plant, which will insulate the plant a bit. So okay. like I said, it could be a pile of leaves. It could be a pile of soil. It could even be a, pile, a bigger pile of the bark mulch. Oh, but okay. that will help. Uh, just, but don't do that yet. Wait until we're well into late fall. 
Exactly. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Let us know how, if that survives. I'd love to hear. Okay. Because it's lovely uh, play. Let you know. All right. Thank you very much, and thanks for everything. You do a wonderful job on Saturday. Wonderful. Thanks Terrific. for your call. Okay. Thanks. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. Look at what a pretty plant this is. Oh, yes, gorgeous. And that, if you, if you could make that, you know, know. It, you know, last through the winter in the house, the uh, aroma would yeah, be fabulous. It wouldn't? is. Yeah. yeah. They are. I find a little bit of a tricky one to have in the house because they don't like our dry mm-hmm. heat that we have in the winter. Right. Lavender would prefer a little bit more humidity. humidity yeah. So that's that pebble tray, you know, mm-hmm. that, that cookie sheet with pebbles yep. and then the plant sitting on top of the pebbles, always keeping the humidity around the plant up a little bit. Okay, approaching 940 here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. You've got the questions. She's got the answers. You're with <laughs> Charlie Dobbin here on Zoomer Radio. Up next, it's uh, from Barry. Oh, who is that? Oh, it's Mia going to be on the line. And uh, we'll return to that in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Charlie, let's say uh, hi to someone in beautiful Barry, and that would be Mia. Hi, Mia. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I'm calling for, uh, actually, my mom, Leah, mm-hmm. who has problems with her pickling cucumbers. They're full of, mi- of powdery mildew. Oh. Is it due to the rain this year? Well, we did have some very high humidity and gray days and, as you know, lots of moisture. And that definitely contributes to the growth of powdery mildew. And very p- pale leaves, too. They're not looking great and misshapen. uh Pickles. Yeah, they will. They will be pale often when they do get mildew. Um, I'm just trying to think. So, a couple things she can do. One is um, there are obviously cucumbers coming on the vines, mm-hmm. and she, the recognize that you you'll never eliminate. Um, like a fungal disease. All we can ever really do is prevent, but we can try and slow down the growth of things like mildews with a couple of different, there are fungicides like liquid sulfur uh, is available as a spray to try and slow down the growth of the, the, um, the mildew. She should be very careful to avoid wetting the leaves of the plants any time of the day except early in the morning. So if she's going to water, you water early in the day so that the leaves are nice and dry before the sun goes down. Okay. And, um, uh, yeah, do everything you can to maximize air circulation so that, again, that just helps control, you know, keeps the humidity a little lower, helps control the fungal spores from growing. Um, and otherwise, yeah, just kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best when it comes to getting some fruit, some, some actual cucumbers. Yeah. Exactly. Go to the market okay. if necessary. But yeah, it is a problem once we get things like um, mildew on. Here, I'm just showing Frank some images here. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the leaves will get quite speckled as, uh, through the process of the mildew. Yes, they are. And they get paler and paler. But it won't affect the fruit? No. No. Okay. It, but the, the, the amount of, see, it affects the fruit in the sense that the plants start to suffer from not being able to photosynthesize very effectively. Mm-hmm. So the plant starts to, to die, basically, from lack of really being a healthy plant. And so that just means you have fewer flowers and ultimately less fruit than what you would like to have. Okay. All right. 
Okay, thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. I wish I could have better news. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, um, I I want you to now avert your eyes from my countenance because I'm going to slip into my kilt. It's a brick moonlicht nicht nicht. We're going to the home of the Highland Games. Where Carolyn That's is on Halliburton, the li- isn't it? No. <laughs> what do you do? Fergus. <laughs> Would you stop that? <laughs> Ruined a whole good bit there. <laughs> anyway, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Hello. Good yeah, morning. Hello. Yes, I'm a first-time caller. Oh, well, there. Oh, my goodness me. There welcome you go. to the show. Thank you. I listen every week. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I'm calling about is I have two... Japanese lilacs. Mm-hmm. They're really bushy this year. Mm-hmm. I usually clip them back after they bloom while they still got a few couple of blooms on them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you clip them back in the spring or in the or now or in the fall? Okay, it's a great question. Because lilac blooms in the spring, or should bloom in the spring, which is interesting, you've got some blooms now. Um, because yeah, they've they bloomed about three times now. Well, interesting. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's probably because of the cool spring and yeah. the cool summer. See, what happens is li- traditionally what's supposed to happen, lilacs will actually form their flower buds now through August and September. Winter comes. Those little flower buds are right there on the shrubs all through the winter. Spring arrives, and those buds are ready to go to bloom in early spring. So if you do any pruning now or in the fall or the early spring, you're likely to remove the flower buds that you would have enjoyed a little later Okay. Uh, you know, in the spring. So that's why if we're going to do any pruning on lilacs, we typically do it when right after they flower, and then we don't do any more pruning until the following year. Right well, after they what flower. What about this year, then? They still have about two or three on each bush. <laughs> I know. So they sound like very confused plants. And they're completely <laughs> the rest conf- of the bush is probably bl- uh, blooming, though. Oh, yeah. Well, what you... I mean, you have... As the blooms have faded, have you gone in there and removed the, the finished flowers? No. Okay. So that you should definitely do sooner than later. So okay. just go through. You've got some you know, old, brown, crispy, um, past flowers on the shrubs now. Yeah. Those you can remove. If you've got some buds and flowers just coming, I, I probably would let them come. I wouldn't cut them off. But um, the, the uh, branches that you are trimming back where the past flowers are still attached, you could do further trimming beyond just the flowers if you need to, if the plants are just getting too big. Uh-huh. Those branches you could cut back a little further now. But typically, like I said, you, you do this sort of all at once because they're supposed to finish flowering all at once. And, you know, they're uh-huh. obviously very happy plants with all yeah, this I guess so. <laughs> nonstop blooming. Now, these are Japanese lilacs for sure. They're not uh, bloomerang lilacs or anything no, like that. Japanese. Okay. The, the short, the, they're about maybe six feet tall or no, mm-hmm. eight, seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Well, now they've gone really wild this year, so they're higher than normal. Right. But they're, they're getting bigger round too, much bigger round. Yeah, and they can get very big and very, you know, yeah. out of proportion. I don't so want them that big. That's right. So I would, you like I said, do the trimming. I mean, you frankly, you can trim whatever you want right now, but it will potentially affect next spring's blooms. Yeah. So yeah. that's the cost-benefit analysis. You could do some trimming now, wait until next spring, and then do a much more radical trim when it's finished blooming, when it's supposed to finish yeah. blooming. Okay. Okay. 
Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. I'm uh, getting in training for the caber toss <laughs> for uh, the Highland Games there in Fergus. Well, yes, you were at the Pan Am Games, weren't you? Weren't you like a, well, you sure. know, winning medals or something? Oh, yeah, right. Weren't you part of that Cirque du Soleil uh, opening ceremony uh, thing? That was incredible. And I'm going to the closing ceremonies. I know morning. you are. Yes, indeed. And uh, you're going to be up there with Kanye West teaching him how to sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Our old okay. Canadian Frank Proctor. He's <laughs> exactly. everywhere. He's the, he, ubiquitous he is. <laughs> well, let's see. We're going, to be, uh, we're going to be talking in moments to someone who lives in Holstein. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to find out exactly where that is. Yes. Roma Online will be to that person in moments here with Charlie Dobbin of The Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. That Charlie is so smooth, she just quickly went to the map of Ontario, found Holstein, which is just a little bit north of Mount Forest. Yeah, spitting distance, really. Yeah, spitting distance. There you go. Spitting distance. And we missed the rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) We missed the rodeo. Look, there was a rodeo. No, July July 9, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Son of a gun. We remember that for next year. I'll I'll enter you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Roma from Holstein. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I just had my intro all a- <laughs> planned for you, and you got it all. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because you knew we were going to say, where's Holstein? <laughs> yes. We, you, you can come in December for the non-motorized vehicle Santa Claus parade, though. Wow, that's Whoa. cool. Yeah. yeah. Non-motorized vehicles, so only like sleighs and... Horses, horses. and critters, whatever you can make. Harness uh, walk down the street. Oh, nice oh, idea. I, yeah, Pigs, well, I'm going to get my cat Dickens to start training to pull me in his head. Good <laughs> yeah. idea. We usually have sheep uh, and ponies and horses. Oh, that sounds great. Well, and dogs. Send me a little information on that, you know, yeah. to hold in my files of the... Uh, Wonderful information. Future yeah. events. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. Okay. Oh, what is what on your mind this morning? Well, I have lilies in my garden that the bugs have just mm. devoured this mm-hmm. year, seemingly. Mm-hmm. They don't bother the day lilies, nope. of course. Nope. But the other, uh, well, tame lilies or mm-hmm. tiger lilies, I have some of them. Uh, yeah, they're the actual proper lilies, so they're lilium, yeah. as opposed to day lilies, which yeah. are called hem. Callus. And what's decimated your lilies is a horrendous bug called the lily leaf beetle. I suspected that's what it was. And a red one. Yes, indeed. Yes. yes. And they are a real problem uh, because, as you know, they they eat everything. They'll eat yes. the leaves. They'll eat the stems. They'll yep. eat the buds. They'll eat the blooms. They'll, That's right. They're they're horrible. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to show because you know Frank doesn't know. See, there's one right <laughs> okay. there. Ooh, ooh. they're nasty looking little devils. Well, well, I haven't seen many of them, but I certainly have seen the evidence of their chew. <laughs> well, you know, it's they're very. Oh, they're nefarious little critters because when they're little tiny babies, they cover their bodies in their personal excrement mm. and they look like a blob on a leaf to a bird flying away overhead. Mm. And, of course, the birds don't eat them because they're coated in this yuck. Yeah. Meanwhile, under the yuck, they're chewing away on your lilies. Mm-hmm. Then the 
they move on in their life cycle and they become a beetle and you can – they're bright, bright red. Yeah. And you go to pick one off because you, if you see one, you're going to see 100. Mm. As soon as you go to pick the one off, the other 99 all fall to the ground <laughs> and they fall on their backs. So their, their red backs are down to the ground and their black bellies are facing up and you can't see them. Okay. A clever little devil. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. So a couple of things I do. One is I'll just keep uh, some sheets of paper or uh, an old pillowcase or newspaper close by. When I'm going to go pick lilies, first I lay some white material on the ground below. Then I go and I pick one bug and the other 99 fall onto the ground. But, of course, they fall onto my, my pillowcase. So now I've got those captured. Uh-huh. And I just dump the, the whole mess into a you know, tuna fish can with some water and a drop of oil in it. Um, the other thing that can work, people have had some success with, is a product called neem oil, N-E-E-M oil. It's not registered as an insecticide. It, as far as I know, it is registered as a leaf shine product, but it is fairly effective on contact on lily leaf beetles. Okay. Um, so, so you would have to spray it on mm-hmm. the underside as well as the top of the lily? You'd want, yeah, you'd need to spray all angles Everything. because those little guys can be found anywhere on the plant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're just not yeah, they're nice. nasty-looking little guys. Do oh. they, do they um, winter in the in the soil or in the bulb? Or no, I believe they winter. they overwinter in the soil. But some years are worse than others when it comes to lily leaf beetles. Like with all insects, we have populations that go up and down just Mm -hmm. depending on the year. So I frankly just gave up growing lilies because they just got so decimated. And they'll also um, eat fritillaria in the spring. Um, So they can, you know, do quite a bit of damage that way. But, you know, I have some huge monster eight-foot-tall stargazer lilies in my garden that have been chewed a little bit this year, but not a lot. Well, and it's the first year, really, that I have noticed them being so so aggressive. Prolific, yeah. You know, a few once in a while, but never to the extent. And Mm. um, there can be one in the the West Garden, and the other ones are fine. And there'll be one over in the the North Garden, and it's... (laughs) Yeah. Well, they do fly, so they do move around. There's no question. And um, yeah, this they ha- they are an invasive. They're, they're from offshore, so they slowly have been moving across Canada. Uh, they came in through Montreal, as I recall, and they've just been slowly moving west. So, unfortunately, once you've got them, you probably have them forever. But certainly, you can. Like I say, there's a few things you can do to try and control them. Okay. And um, you don't really think the weather has had a real effect on them then. It's just a general advancement. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think you'll see that, you know, if you see quite a few this year, you're likely to see fewer next year. Well, insects tend to, like I say, it's very cyclical. And we always kind of say seven-year cycles. So you'll peak at at some point, and then the population density will drop for a number of years. And then you'll think, oh, they've gone. And then all of a sudden, they'll start coming back again. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, once we've got them, we've got them, I think. Oh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, exactly. Because I love the lilies, but I just have 
had a real challenge this year with them. But yeah, yeah. I, and I haven't really seen that many. I guess I'm not there at the right times when they're chewing. But <laughs> I certainly have seen the evidence. Yeah, you see the damage, and if you do go out, as soon as you see a little bit of damage, keep an eye because they're very easy to spot mm-hmm. and fairly easy to kill. You know, if you don't Do mind squishing. To any other? No, nope, no. Nope. Only lilium Only and fritillaria. Lilium. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Thanks. Thank you for joining us, uh, Roma. And hey, we have to look toward next week when we'll welcome other callers. We're just about yes, out of time. Yes, indeed. We're just about out of racetrack, as and, you like to say. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'll be back a little bit later on this afternoon mm-hmm. from 2 to 3.30. And I'm sure uh, in those hours, uh, I will be checking in uh, with the, the folks gang. up in yeah, up the in gang Collingwood. up in Collingwood. Oh, yeah. Okay, You'll Elvis be, Fest is on. You've oh, worn man. your blue suede shoes, I see. Uh, so yes. that's nice. You're right in right in the act. And next week we will have a guest with us in the studio. Okay. Uh, Lorraine Flanagan will be joining us. She uh, was a judge this year for the National Program of Communities and Blooms. So she did some travels all over Canada, judging some of the communities. So she's going to come in and update us on what she oh, saw and learned and, and talk a bit about the program and I as you may recall I have been a judge in the past provincially but never nationally so we'll have a good chat with her next week thank you Charlie and thank you Frank thanks for all your wonderful help thank you Sebastian Matt see you all again next week the garden show is brought to you by the urban nature store everything for folks who love wild birds six GTA locations including Woodbridge Mississauga and Oshawa visit urbannaturestore.ca this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with Charlie Dobbin heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer radio the new AM 740 this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with Charlie Dobbin heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer radio the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.